Well, good morning, church. Um, I obviously am not Stephen Lowry. Uh, my name is Caleb Carmichael. I'm the student pastor here at North Fort Worth, and I'm truly excited that you joined us here today. If you're new or you're visiting with us, um, our pastor is actually on sabbatical for two months. We're thrilled that he has the opportunity to get away um, and recharge and refocus on what God is speaking into his life. And so, unfortunately for you, you're stuck with me this morning. Um, but don't worry, I get to share my responsibilities this morning. It's a special morning. We're talking about life is better together. Over the course of the next few months, we're talking through a set of value statements we have as a church. You just heard them in that video, and this morning's focus is that life is better together. And so what we're going to do, instead of just listening to me talk, because let's be real, none of you want to actually do that, we're going to get to hear from a few of our members in this church about how life is better together in their lives, how they've seen this value be true in their life. So I'm going to ask my panel to come on up, make your way up here, um, and as they do, I just wanted to let you know that they're a little excited, but also a little nervous about this. So, um, you know, be welcoming covering them. But as, but as they come up, I'm going to introduce them. This is Mike and LB Compton. Behind them is Catherine and Greg Trickett. And then finally, Miles and Amy Baldwin. And so can we give them a round of applause for being willing to come up here and share this morning? And so what we're going to do over the next few minutes is I just, I just want the chance for you guys to hear from them. Um, they're going to share a little bit about their life group, a little bit about how they've seen this value um, come into play. So maybe if you would, just kind of introduce yourselves down the line here. I'll start with you, Miles. You can introduce yourself. Say, tell us your names, what life group you're a part of. <clears throat> Miles Baldwin, and I'm a member of the Joy Life Group. J-O-Y stands for Just Older Youth. Just, hey, there you go. I like that. I'm Amy Baldwin. I'm Miles' wife and a retired public school teacher in, in the same life group. And David Downey is our Whoops. Wait, don't have I I'm Greg Trickett and I'm uh, the teacher in the Lifesavers Life Group. Does that have candy? Lifesavers? Do you get I wish. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so that's an acronym. <laughs> yeah, <it's too> much. <laughs> um, and I'm Catherine Trickett, and also in the Lifesavers Life Group. I'm Laura Beth, or LB, and we're in the Stansel's Life Group that's changed names about seven times, but it's the Wednesday Warriors as of right now. So. And I'm her husband, Mike Compton, and same thing, Wednesday Warriors. So we basically uh, open it up for people that that serve on Sundays. Yeah. So that's where. That's great. Well, thank you guys for all agreeing to do this. Um, LB is very mad at me that she's here this morning. And so the fact that I just made her speak out loud, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for that. But um, so, so I just have a few questions for you, and I'll just kind of open it up to the group, and whoever wants to answer can answer. My first question is this. We say life is better together. How have you actually seen that be true in your own lives? Shall I? Well, in our life group, um, I really feel comfortable in our life group because uh, we do share life together. Uh, we love each other. I had come to the, uh, to the life group with a prayer request. I drive a bus for the Keller school system, and uh, there was a gentleman that I had, was trying to make a friends with and in conversation before we would clock in every day. And this particular gentleman, language was a little spicy, let's say. But I continued, for some reason, the Lord was wanting me to develop a relationship with him. Not that I wanted to learn that language, but I wanted him to. <laughs> so I asked the life group to, to pray. And they prayed for this gentleman. And about a week after we prayed, about a week after we prayed for him, 
Um, I was sitting in my car, ready to go in to clock in to go to work, and I hear this knocking on the window of my car, and it's him. He gets in the car, and he says, Miles, he said, I have prostate cancer. And he said, I want you to pray for me. Of all people, he came to me. Because I had told him about things that were going on in our life group and things that we were doing at the church, he knew that he could come to me and pray. And we prayed in the car for his surgery, for his cancer, and most of all, for his soul. And I, I, I couldn't have done that had I not had the support of the life group praying for this young man. That's, that's an incredible story. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. I'd say that the life is better together that, that in, my, in my own personal life, um, it, it's, it's been relevant throughout my life. I grew up in the Christian faith and a church, and um, the, the lie that culture tells us is that you can be a lone Christian, that you don't have to go to church to really be you know, properly Christian. And uh, it's just not true. We're instructed several times in Scripture to be together, to Amen. do life together. And so when Catherine and I were looking for a church, one of the top things on the list, apart from good expositional preaching from the pulpit, was a group that we could fit in and be a part of and serve in and do life together with. Yeah, so when you're saying doing life together, what does that, what does that actually mean? Well, I mean, when, um, when I hurt, the life group hurts. When I rejoice, the life group rejoice. And the same with them. They share their concerns. We, we live those concerns together. We think of each other. We care for each other. We, we pray for each other. You know, um, We support each other. One of the big things growing up uh, for me was being a part of a group. And again, I grew up in the church, so I've, I've been a part of accountability groups and prayer groups all my whole life and those things have been particularly important to keep me focused and keep me grounded in the faith to to keep me on the right path and to remind me who I am in the Lord when I sometimes may have forgotten myself that's great thanks Greg does anyone else want to, to share how you've seen this this value play out in your life well I was just going to add on to what Greg was saying yep. so like we um when things are up for us like it just feels better um, to, to have that, to share that with our life group. Like things are just, I don't know, it's like when things are sweet, it's sweeter with people to share that with. And then when things are down, um, you have that support behind you and you have the people to, um, to pray for you, to be there for you, just to listen or to lend their hand, lend a hand to lend some help. So it just, it feels better to have that when you, um, when you are down. So the ups and downs are just better altogether. Okay, so with that being said, tell me, tell me about a time when you're facing a difficulty or when life is down and, and your life group is there, the people in your life are there to support you. I have a, a really good example. Um, when uh, my kids were younger, my daughter was in school, and uh, I was having a struggle with one of her teachers. Um, felt like the teacher wasn't treating her fairly. And I was telling the ladies in my life group, we were having a lunch and I was just sharing with them about how I was struggling with that and I wasn't sure what to do. And um, they challenged me. They said, you're the mom, speak up for her. And I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't wanna be that kind of mom. I don't wanna, I'm not assertive. And they were like, no, you need to, you need to speak up for her. And I was so thankful 
that they encouraged me and challenged me that way. And I did speak up for my daughter, and, and it changed everything. And I don't think I would have done that had I not had the support from those ladies. So it, it made a big difference. Absolutely. And so being connected, being in community, having those relationships with other people, it's, it's not just always, hey, a pat on the back. There's, there's some times when they have to confront you and challenge you and, and you know, get you outside of your comfort zone a little bit maybe. And so have the rest of you seen that to be true as well? I'm pretty perfect. So. There we go. Okay, that's true. So, so Greg and Catherine and I had the opportunity to go to Wales um, together on our mission trip, and, and I can say that Greg actually is pretty close to perfect. I don't know if Catherine would agree with that, but, but it's true. So, um, so, so when we say that life is better together, it's, it's a really easy saying. It's kind of catchy, but it's, but it's not so easy to live out. Um, what are some of the challenges or struggles that you guys face to, to be in a real community with people? Just being human, yeah. <laughs> getting tired, getting frustrated, all of that, and trying to remember at the same time that there's other people besides right here, and to keep my focus out there instead of otherwise. There's nothing better than a friend, a true friend in life, and there's even better than that is a genuine Christian friend, yeah. and that just makes all the difference because you can um, be accountable to each other when there's when somebody needs to have a correction or a, a support of some kind. Thanks, Andy. I think one of the challenges is that, um, you know, we come to church, but I found like for myself, um, I'm more of a shy kind of person, but I've had to open up um, and put myself out there. And as I'm willing to serve and share with others, then, then I'm able to build those relationships um, and, and being open, like I said, with the ladies in my life group, I had to be willing to share that struggle with them. So I think that that's one of our challenges is not to just wait for somebody to ask us how we're doing, but to be willing to be vulnerable and allow the others um, to help us. Because um, sometimes I know that within the church, if I, if I just ask, somebody's there to help me. Uh, and that's always been the case. I would, I would say that the biggest challenge is just, just life. Um, we live in a culture where the, the community church is so much bigger than it ever has been. Um, it's not just around the corner, it's across the city. And so, um, I mean, we don't, we do it as, we, well, I was gonna say we do it as well as we can, that's not true, we, we do it, but we could always do it better. Uh, living life together and, and being that community within the life group. And that's something that we, we try to do. We do it better sometimes than we do at others, but we could always improve. We try to get together occasionally, the guys do. The, um, the group as a, as a whole gets together, um, at least at Christmas. And um, you know, one of the things going forward that, that we're trying to do is, is work on doing more of those kinds of things. Being being a group together that can have those opportunities to share. It's not just social events, it is that, but it's social events where we can share with each other and, um, and break with each other and laugh with each other and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, I think a lot of times life just kind of gets, catches up with us. We have a two-year-old 
And, and our, our life group is, is kind of funny. We, we started out as a, as a college and career. And when we joined the church, there was a bunch of people in there that were in all stages of life, but we were the only married couple that had joined that group. And then now we're a group of mostly married and people with kids, and, and it's just interesting to see how that's gone. But because of our lives changing so much, it, we have less and less time to hang out all the we, we used to hang out a lot and do all these things together, and then kids come along, you can't be out there all the time. And so I think that's one of the most challenging is letting life take over and, and not being able to see each other, but you have to make the time to be, you know, just be there for each other and be together. Yeah, so life is busy, schedules are crazy, being open and vulnerable with people is difficult. Um, and, and so with all of those things being said, is, is ask, is it still worth it? So it's still worth putting in the effort, risking the vulnerability to, to be connected with other people? Yeah, un unqualifiedly, yes. Because, again, I go back to the point I made before. This is something that we were told to do. You read throughout the New Testament the number of times in the letters that we're instructed to not give up meeting together, to, to meet together, to do things together, um, to, uh, to encourage one another, to build up one another. And... Um, yeah, uh, when, when it comes down to it, we are a family. It's not just an analogy in the Bible that we're a family of God. We are a family. When we enter into this relationship with Christ, when we become Christians, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And, um, you know, we wouldn't give up talking to our family, um, our, our blood family. And so we, it's definitely worth it. Is there anything else anyone wants to add? I've got another bus story. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's all I do is drive bus and sleep. So. <laughs> I'd ask our life group to pray for me because I was wanting to be a bold witness, wanting to be an ambassador for Christ. And sometimes I would come home from bus duties and see the different opportunities that I missed. And I wanted to be more bold. So this one particular day, this gentleman I was talking to, talking to him about uh, going to heaven and what you needed to do before you could go to heaven. And he was interested in heaven, so I kept talking about heaven. And all of a sudden, it just like, he just shut everything down and just kind of walked off. And I thought, well, that was a lost cause. And there was a lady over here, about 10 foot away. And she walked up to me and she said, how can I know that I'm going to heaven? I didn't know she was listening all along. And to make a long story short, uh, I led her to the Lord right there in the hallway of the bus station. She wanted to know how to get to heaven. Well, I learned a week later she also had cancer and was in the chemo process. And she wanted to know what she needed to do in order to be assured that she had eternal life. And I couldn't have done that had not I had the prayers from our life group. And I, and I just uh, I just want to say thank you to each one of y'all that are in our Joy Life group. Yeah. And thanks, Miles. Anything else? Anyone wants to add? I've got more bus stories. <laughs> we could, we, I could sit here and listen to bus stories all day. I really could. I, it's great with me. But can we give it up for our, for our panel? I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you guys. You can go ahead and grab a seat. There you go. I'll get out of your way. And, and so we're talking about life is better together. We're talking a lot about life groups. And, 
you know, we wanted you to hear from people who are actually living it, people who have seen this be true, because we don't want it to be a value statement that we come up with as a staff, and it sounds fun, and it sounds great, but it doesn't actually mean anything. We, we really do believe that life is better together. We believe that life is all about relationships. And we started last week with D.L. Lowry talking about that life is in Jesus. So before anything else, before we get to life is better together, that the foundation of our faith, the foundation of our lives really is Jesus Christ. But then built upon that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just the person of Jesus Christ. It's, it's our relationship with him, that, that God has designed us and created us with a need and a desire and a wiring for relationships, and not just with him, but with other people. I'm sure we're all familiar with the passage in Genesis 2 where it says it's not good for the man to be alone. And if nothing else, you've probably heard that at a wedding, right? It's because, let's be real, it's taken in the context of God creates Adam. He says it's not good. So then he creates Eve and gives him a wife. And so we, we see this idea that it's not good for man to be alone in the context of marriage. But, but this verse is, is more than just about marriage because God doesn't say it's not good for man to be single. He says it's not good for man to be alone, that, that when you read through the, the creation account, you see that God creates and it's good. God creates and it's good. God creates and it's good. God creates and it's very good. And then all of a sudden, it's not good because it wasn't God's design or intention or plan for us to be alone. We're not created to be alone. We're created with the need for relationships. And I think we all kind of know this instinctually. We, we kind of understand that it's not good for us to be alone. And we kind of can see this in society. We see um, that, that when someone commits a crime, what do we do? We take them away from people, one, for protection, but two, because we're isolating them from friends and family. It's a way of punishment. We put them in prison. But then what's the worst punishment we have outside of the death penalty? It's something called solitary confinement. That the worst punishment we've come up with outside of physical torture is that we're going to take someone and we're going to simply remove you from everyone else and we're going to force you to live alone. That's the worst that we've come up with. Because we understand, as a people, we understand that, that we're not made to live alone. We're not made to go through life on our own. And I think the tragedy of, of my generation, the millennial generation, and, and the generation that comes after me, Gen Z, is that we're the most connected generation to ever live. But at the same time, we're the loneliest generation to ever live. So never before have we had the ability to connect with other people like we do today. Right? I'm, I'm one phone call, I'm one text, I'm one Instagram story, I'm one Facebook connection away from anyone I want to meet in the entire world. I can connect with anyone in seconds. We're so connected, but at the same time, we're so lonely. Depression, anxiety, loneliness is on the rise. The UK just, just recently appointed a, a minister of loneliness for their entire nation because it's such a problem. We feel so alone. And you look at that, and why do we feel alone if we're so connected? If we have the ability to, to connect with anyone in the world, why do we feel so alone? And I think it's because of some of the reasons we talked about just a minute ago, that we're busy, that our schedules are crazy, that being with someone else requires me to be vulnerable and open. And so even though we're more connected, we're lonelier than ever. And, and so what I think we have to do is be intentional about putting ourselves in relationships, what I think we do is we have a tendency to lock ourselves up in our own solitary confinement because we don't want to risk the connections with anyone else. 
And listen, I get it, right? If you look at, at someone's life, right, you wake up early, you got to get the kids ready, you got to get them to school, you got to somehow talk to your spouse in there and maybe grab breakfast if you're lucky. Then you got to drive and you got to sit in traffic. And let's be real, sitting in traffic doesn't make me want to love people. It makes me kind of want to hate people because they're either going 90 miles an hour past me or 15 miles an hour under the speed limit and there's no in between, right? And so I finally get to my job and I'm already frustrated because of the traffic. And then I have to deal with Karen and her leftover fish in the microwave, right? and it just smells up the whole office. And I'm like, Karen, this does not make me want to love you, right? And, and then, like, i got to deal with people at work all day, and I'm sitting in a broken system that, like, I don't even know if what I'm doing matters. And then I go home, and i got to pick the kids up from school and take them to practice. And then they have another practice after that practice. I don't even know why they have all these practices, right? And then we got to go get dinner and, like, you want me to cook after all of that? No, I'm picking up McDonald's, but wait, McDonald's isn't good for me. Okay, I'm picking up Subway. Wait, that's not good for me either, right? So I got to find dinner, and then I got to get home, and then I got to get the kids in the shower, and they don't want to get in the shower, so then I got to get them to do that, and then I got to get them in bed. <sighs> and you're telling me you want me to connect with people now? No, I'm turning on Netflix, and I'm sitting there and binging Netflix until it comes on the screen, and it judges me, and it says, are you still watching, Caleb? And I'm like, yes, Netflix. <laughs> I am still watching. <laughs> and then I go to bed and I do it all over again the next day. And I think there's no time to be together. I don't have time to be together with anyone else. And maybe for you it's not time. Maybe your schedule's a little more relaxed. But, but maybe if it's for you if you're just honest. Life is better together. That requires being with people. And people can be difficult, right? Like... Whew, I don't know if I can handle being around some of these people all the time. And then I think for all of us, at least a little bit, part of it is just that we don't want to be around other people because we're trying to protect ourselves. That, that we don't want to be in a relationship with other people because, because then they could hurt us. Because we've experienced it before. We felt the pain of harsh words from a spouse or a parent or a friend. Right, we, we, we understand that if we open up and that we're vulnerable, that we're vulnerable and that someone can hurt us. Someone could take something from us. Someone could inflict pain on us. And so what we do is we put up these walls, right? We, 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 we isolate ourselves in order to what we think we're doing is protecting ourselves, right? So we, we said, I'm not going to let anybody in because then I can't get hurt, Right? And so we build a wall of fake smiles and everything's good and I'm fine, right? not realizing that we're actually trapping ourselves in solitary confinement. We're building our own prison. And so we try to protect ourselves in our own little bu bubble, never wanting to risk being vulnerable, never wanting to risk being hurt. So we lose intimacy. We lose connection. We lose support. We lose encouragement. We lose accountability. We lose love because we don't want to risk getting hurt. And listen, Christians, we're the worst at this, right? Like, we're so good at showing up to church, and for some reason we feel like we have to pretend that everything's good. And so we smile and we sing a few songs about how, God, how good God is, and then we go to our small groups and maybe we answer a few questions, but, like, the answer is always just Jesus. Like, someone asks a question about, hey, what's going on in your life? I don't know, Jesus, like, I don't like, it's just like, you can't, can't be the wrong answer, right? And so we just like give these fake answers and we give these fake smiles and, and the answer is always used because heaven forbid we actually talk about our doubts. We talk about our struggles. 
talk about the issues in our marriage or with our kids. See, because we can't bring that up because we feel like then we wouldn't be perfect, right? Then, then we wouldn't have it all together. Then the people at church, the people I'm open and vulnerable with would actually see me. And I don't know if I want them to see me because then what if they judge me or they look down on me or they don't welcome me or they don't accept me? I don't want to get hurt. So I just pretend. And then we go home and we still feel depressed. We still feel anxious. We still feel empty. We still feel stressed. And we wonder why. Because I think in our minds sometimes we think church is a place where I can't be broken. So we're so scared of being hurt. We're so scared of being vulnerable that we give up real, authentic, meaningful relationships for the sake of our comfort zones. There's a pastor named Levi Lesko, and he says this. He says, that comfort zones, right, they don't keep your life safe, right? We, we like to live in our comfort zones because we feel that we're safe that way. But he says comfort zones don't keep your life safe. They just keep your life small. And I wonder how many of us feel lonely, not because we aren't around people, because we are, but because we won't let people in. And listen, this isn't my idea, right? Over and over and over again in Scripture, we see the importance of a connected life, the importance of, of living life with people. Right? We see God giving instructions through Scripture on how we should live life together, how life actually is better together. He gives us instructions on why we need community and what it looks like. I'm just going to give you a few examples. In Hebrews 10, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Hebrews 3 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as, it, as, long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Romans, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. James, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Galatians 6, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Proverbs 12, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 13, walk with the wise, become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 27, words, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. In Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We see over and over again God giving instructions that we should live in community with people. We should be open and have authentic, real relationships. We should encourage each other. We should challenge each other. We should support each other. And, and when God is giving us these instructions, he knows that it makes life work better, that life is actually better together. But I don't want you to hear me say that life is better together and then think it's going to be easier because it's not. Right? Sometimes being in community is a little bit like exercise. It's good for us, but we don't always want to do it, right? This last April, I ran a half marathon um, because I've never been a runner. Like, my, my philosophy on running my entire life has been God gave us the ability to create cars, so why would I run anywhere, right? And, and, and so, but I, but I wanted to be healthy, right? I wanted to, to, to exercise more, so I exercised all the time, but I never ran. And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run a half marathon simply because it's going to take discipline and I'm not going to enjoy it, right? I wanted it to get better in this area of my life. <clears throat> and so I started talking to all of my friends who like to run. There's a lot of people who really enjoy this stuff. I don't know what's wrong with them, but, but they do. And here's what they told me. They said, if you, if you just get to where you can you know, like make it a few miles um, at a time, then it's going to be a lot more enjoyable for you. I'm like, okay, well, I got to the point where I could run three or four miles, and I'm like, it's 
still not that great. And I'm like, no, 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 you just got to get to where you can run six or seven. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I got to the point where I could run six or seven. And they're like, it'll be easy now, right? I'm like, no, no, it's not easy. I was like, well, okay, maybe when you get to the actual half marathon distance, 13.1 miles, then, then when, you know, running a 10 miler is no big deal. Those people are crazy, <laughs> right? Like, I don't care how good in shape you are. Like, the problem is, is it doesn't get easier. You just kind of get faster. And so then it's just as hard, right? So, so like running this half marathon, I felt so accomplished when I finished, but never in my life did I think this is a fun activity. <laughs> no, it was work. It was required discipline. It was a challenge. And I think sometimes being in community with other people is sort of like running that half marathon. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. It's not fun when someone sits down with you, a trusted friend, and says, hey, I see this area in your life where you're struggling, where you're making some mistakes, and just because I love you, I, I want to challenge you to do better in this area. That's not fun, but we need it. God tells us we need it, that we're not meant to go through life alone. And so my challenge and my question for you today this morning is, is, are you willing to be in an open, authentic relationship with a small group of people? Are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to, to put some time into your schedule or open up your heart a little bit and, and be willing to, to be a little bit more vulnerable? Are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone? And for some of you, that means actually joining a life group. Maybe for you, you come and you sit in a service every Sunday and then, and then you leave. Maybe for you, you need to you need to join a life group. We're going to give you that opportunity today to get more information about that at the end of the services. There's actually two iPads set up on each corner of the room. All you have to do when you leave is type in a little bit of information. It's super easy to do. We would love to help you do it. And we'll, this week, we'll get you some information about a life group that might be a good fit for you. Maybe that's what you need to do this week. For others of you, you're already in a life group, but let's be honest. When we're talking about of relationships, we're talking about being open, we're talking about challenging and encouraging each other. That's not what you do. You show up to your life group, you answer a few questions, maybe, you listen to someone teach, and then you go on your way. Maybe for you it's a challenge that you need to be more open in your life group. You need to come together as a group and start challenging and encouraging and equipping each other outside of a Sunday morning. Maybe it's something that you need to do every day during the week to be in connection with each other. Maybe for others of you, it's nothing to do with a life group. Maybe it's just inviting your neighbor over for dinner or, or having a hard conversation with your spouse or, or inviting a close friend into the struggles that you're having and asking them to, to encourage you in those things. I don't know what, what your thing is this morning, but I think we all have a way that we can respond today because we truly believe that life is better together. Would you pray with me this morning? We're going to have several opportunities to respond to what we've talked about today, several different ways. You can get information about Life Group as we leave. Um, here in just a minute, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. Um, that's a way that, that we can make this a practical example of what the church is. We're going to remind ourselves of what Christ has done for us. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. Um, but most importantly, more than anything, this is really a, a heart issue. Um, it requires being vulnerable requires being open and honest with people, and, and that can be scary. 
So as I pray, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to give you the chance. If, if you're here this morning and, and you're listening to what we're talking about and you're thinking, I, I want relationships like that, but I don't have them because I've been building walls. I've been keeping people at bay. I've been, I've been putting up barriers. Um, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to ask you to move. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I just want to pray for you this morning. So if, if you're here and you're thinking, I, I want real relationships. I want to be willing to open up a little bit more than I have. I want to be a little more vulnerable with the people in my life. Would you just slip your hand up into the air? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for, uh, for these, this panel of, of people here in the church who are willing to share about their lives. Um, I want to thank you that, that you created us for relationships, that you created us with the, the need and the desire um, to live in relationships, God. Um, thank you for the joy and the, the encouragement that comes from those. God, I also know that it can be terrifying to open ourselves up to others. And so, God, if that's someone in this room, that's someone that raised their hand up, God, I pray that you'd give them the boldness and the courage to, to open up, to, to risk themselves in order to be connected with other people. God, because we truly believe that life is better together. God, we're thankful for for all that you are and all that you've done. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.